All right, preschool parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids, and your host this month. You may have already heard about parenting styles. Researchers have studied thousands of parents across multiple cultures and classified them into four broad types, authoritarian, permissive, authoritative, and negligent. Authoritarian parents lay down the law and require kids to follow it. When kids ask, why do I have to do this? Authoritarians are the ones who respond, because I said so. They're not shy about punishing children with verbal dress downs or serious consequences when they misbehave. Permissive parents care a lot about connecting with their child. They generally trust their child to do the right thing, and they believe that they'll maximize their influence by avoiding conflict. With their focus on promoting good feelings, they're not very good at setting limits. Authoritative parents seek the middle ground between authoritarian and permissive. They do their best to mix warmth and connection with firm limits. They want their child to get clear guidance along with plenty of love and support. Negligent parents are literally negligent. They don't pay much attention to their children, and their children get little in the way of support or discipline. Luckily, there are very few of those parents around. The science on this is pretty clear. Authoritative parenting is best for kids. Kids need limits along with love. The challenge for many American parents, though, is actually finding that authoritative sweet spot. In modern American culture, many parents have a hard time with the discipline part of things, especially holding the line when children negotiate and plead to be given a free pass. There are a variety of reasons for this. For starters, much of the parenting advice we hear emphasizes connection and communication more than limit setting. To build your child's emotional intelligence, we're told, make sure your child feels heard. Rather than speaking harshly to your child or punishing your child with timeouts, focus on helping them build the skills they need to understand the consequences of their actions and make better choices. That's certainly our emphasis here at Raise Ready Kids. Parental guilt and lack of confidence also play a role in how parents choose to discipline their kids. For parents who work a lot, the moments they get with their child feel especially precious and they're reluctant to spend them in conflict. And then there are the parents who simply don't feel comfortable projecting authority with their children. We live in a democratic and egalitarian age, and some parents just don't want to throw their weight around. It feels wrong to them. Given time, things usually work out for children with permissive parents. They may be out of control for a while, but they usually come around. With their parents' love to lean on and their example to follow, they usually figure out how to behave responsibly over time. And yet, parental reluctance to put clear boundaries around children's behavior comes with a cost, sometimes a serious one. For starters, there's the impact on others. You've probably spent time with a family that failed to discipline their child even when they were hurting other children. Their child may literally be whacking another child, and the only thing that the parent does is to gently plead with the child, Sweetie, please don't hit other children. It's not nice. It's no fun to hang around families like this. It's even worse when the behavior continues to the point where the parent explodes in anger and now everybody is out of control. More importantly though, parents who struggle to set limits for their children are missing a huge opportunity to help their children develop valuable skills. 
that will help them make good choices and become their best selves. Even if things work out okay in the end, there is a significant cost to permissive parenting. Today, I want to share a Raise Ready Kids strategy called Character Teaching that is designed to help you find that authoritative parenting sweet spot. Character teaching has two parts, explicit guidance and emotive discipline. Let's start with explicit guidance. It may sound trite, but if we want to cultivate a particular character strength in our child, the right place to start is with explicit teaching. We need to communicate our expectations and then show our child how to meet them. We need to have conversations about why certain things matter, things like not grabbing things from each other or saying thank you. We may need to remind our child many times. We need to recognize and accept that our child needs explicit instruction and regular verbal reinforcement. Some parents think of this kind of guidance as discipline, but I prefer to think of it as coaching. Ultimately, children want to become respected and contributing members of the household. We have to teach them how, the way a basketball coach teaches a young player how to be a respected and contributing member of the basketball team. Let's say that respect and kindness are important to you, as they are to most parents. I suggest you sit down with your spouse or parenting partner to identify specific respect and kindness-related behaviors you'd like to teach your child. For example, don't interrupt people. Instead, wave your hand or tap them to request their attention. Say please when you have a request and thank you when someone does something helpful for you. When a person is talking to you, look them in the eye. When somebody greets you by name, use their name when you greet them back. When you want something that your brother or sister has, ask nicely for it. Don't grab. Then, share these expectations and teach your child how to meet them. Your child won't learn skills like these unless you explicitly teach and reinforce them. There are more than a few parents out there who view direct instruction on topics like this as old-fashioned and unnecessary. Nothing could be further from the truth. Of course, as you know well, your preschool child is not likely to master behaviors like these quickly. They are going to need plenty of reminders. As much as possible, I suggest you provide these reminders via questions and opportunities for redos. For example, if your child is not looking at you as you speak, ask them, where should you be looking now? Or if your child asks you for something rudely, you can say, please try your request again, asking me more nicely. You're going to need to be patient. Your child will not always be in an emotional state that is conducive to hearing and internalizing these messages. Sometimes it will feel like one step forward and two steps back. The point, though, is that you have to keep teaching and reinforcing the behaviors that you want your child to internalize for the sake of their long-term well-being, as well as the smooth functioning of your family. In addition to teaching specific behaviors, you may want to teach general principles that are important to you. For example, to promote initiative, you might say to your child, ask questions when you don't understand something, and look for things you can do to be helpful. Or to promote kindness, you might teach your child the golden rule, treat others the way you would like to be treated. Or you might teach them that there are two kinds of hurts, outside hurts that you can see, like a cut or a bruise, and hurts inside that you can't see, like a hurt feeling. Explain that it's not acceptable to hurt people in either kind of way. Finally, you should be talking to your child about the choices they make, so they can reflect on their behavior in relation to the guidance you've given them, including when they have hurt others. 
parents sometimes mistakenly believe that their children know when they've hurt someone else, and they know that this behavior is wrong. This leads parents to want to punish children when what children really need is a conversation about their behavior, its impact on others, and how they can make amends for harm caused. Okay, let's move on to the second part of character teaching, emotive discipline, with some help from Thomas Lacona, a professor emeritus at SUNY Cortland, and one of the leading character educators in the United States. In his book, How to Raise Kind Kids, Lacona points out that when kids misbehave in more serious ways, they need not only to know that what they did was wrong, they need to feel it as well. As they get older, most kids know what's right and wrong, but many often do things they know to be wrong anyway without much regret. Bland parental responses to children's hurtful behavior don't generate much response at all in many children, and they certainly don't promote growth in children's conscientiousness. When parents take their children's transgressions seriously, they're not only buying a little more peace for everyone else around them, they're also planting seeds of moral awareness in their children, awareness that children will rely on when they themselves need to decide how to respond to other children who are hurting. One study observed how two-year-olds responded to another toddler crying on the playground. Some showed concern and offered comfort. Others were simply curious or walked away. Some were irritated by the crying and even scolded the other child for crying. The researchers then explored how the mothers of these children had been interacting with their children. The children who were compassionate on the playground had mothers who were warm and nurturing, but something else was true about them too. In the past, when their children had hurt other children, they had reacted strongly. For example, the researchers found that one mother whose child had pulled the hair of another child had responded like this. You hurt Clara. Pulling hair hurts. Never pull hair. She had delivered these words with emotion bordering on indignation. With the first statement, you hurt Clara. The mother had pointed out the consequence of her child's behavior. With the second statement, pulling hair hurts. The mother had taught the child something important they might not have known. And finally, with the third statement, never pull hair. The mother had laid down a modest, moral absolute. For the most part, the mothers of the compassionate children avoided screaming at their children. But they weren't afraid to bring emotion into the picture to help their child feel, as well as know, that their behavior was inappropriate. Their children clearly got the message, My mom gets upset when I hurt other people. Hurting other people is a big deal, and I shouldn't do that. By contrast, the mothers of the children who responded less compassionately to their hurting child on the playground had reacted more casually when their child had done something hurtful in the past. They said things like, That's not nice. Please don't do that. Perhaps motivated by a desire to maintain calm and model kindness, they failed to break through to their children and effectively make the point that it is unacceptable to hurt other people. The takeaway is clear. When your child's behavior is hurtful to others, respond with emotion as well as teaching. Interestingly, a study of teenagers and their parents' approach to discipline has produced similar findings. Researchers asked teens questions about right and wrong, such as, why is it wrong to lie, cheat, or steal? Or, why is it wrong to pick on another kid? They then divided the teens into two groups, based on the level of their moral reasoning. The more mature group understood that these actions were wrong because they betrayed trust and hurt other people. 
The less mature group cited the potential for getting in trouble as the main reason to not do these things. The researchers then asked both groups how their parents would respond to various situations, such as, they find out that you and your friends broke into a vending machine, or they hear that you participated in making fun of a neighborhood child. The teens in the more mature group were much more likely than the teens in the less mature group to say that their parents would express disappointment in them, show indignation, point out the unfairness of their actions, and demand apologies and reparation. In other words, the parents of the morally mature teenagers responded to their children's transgression with both clear teaching and deep feeling. There was no way that their children could miss the central points they were trying to make. Trust and respect matter. Hurting people matters. That's not who we are. I don't remember a lot about sixth grade, but I do remember the day that some of us in the class made fun of a younger girl who struggled with a disability. Chuck Glaro, our teacher, canceled life as we sixth graders knew it. And instead of following our regular school day, we listened as our teacher, born in 1921, shared with deep emotion his anger and disappointment in our behavior. It didn't feel at all like ordinary nagging or lecturing. Rather, it felt like an honorable man sharing an important part of his soul. The kids who had taunted this girl, along with those who had watched and did nothing, had tripped a wire for him. I can still remember what it felt like as he paced among the desks for an hour, talking about what was wrong with our behavior and why it was so deeply, fundamentally, not okay. It's the only specific memory I have from sixth grade. Like my sixth grade teacher, Chuck Laro, you too can choose to respond with emotion when your child hurts or disrespects another person to help them understand that they have crossed an important line and should feel bad about it. As the research shows, children of parents who carefully practice emotive discipline are more likely to internalize important values and respond compassionately when they see others hurting. When employing emotive discipline, keep in mind the three elements we discussed earlier. Point out the consequences of your child's behavior. Teach your child about the impact of their behavior, things you think they should know, but they might not. And finally, lay down some kind of moral absolute. Never pull hair. Never make fun of people who look or act differently. Never take or share a nude photo of another person. Save emotive discipline for the important moments, moments that involve core values related to safety, kindness, and respect. When you deploy it, do so with genuine feeling. Remember Thomas Lacona's advice. When kids misbehave in more serious ways, they need not only to know that what they did was wrong, but they need to feel it as well. All right, let's recap where we've come today. The best parenting style for children is one that mixes warmth and connection with firm limits, but it can be challenging to find this sweet spot. The Raise Ready Kids strategy, character teaching, can help you get there with a two-part formula, explicit guidance and emotive discipline. The first part of character teaching, explicit guidance, involves communicating our expectations and showing our child how to meet them. We need to explain important things to our child, things like not grabbing things from each other or saying thank you, rather than assuming that our children will just pick up these ideas on their own. And we need to be patient as our children practice and internalize our expectations. The second part of character teaching, emotive discipline, recognizes that learning is an emotional as well as a rational process. 
when you use indignation strategically, you're marking the moment for your child. They're more likely to get that this is a big deal and I had better pay attention. When you have your child's attention this way, you're planting the seeds of a moral value. You're giving them a gift that will be with them for the rest of their life, a gift that can ripple down through multiple generations. Mm -hmm.